How's everyone tonight? To Mickey. Very good. Wow. What beautiful moments we've had tonight. I, um, I'm not usually the emotional, feely type of person. I'm sort of the uh, class clown. And, uh, but I, you know, and that's sort of how I come across or try to, try to come across, I guess you'd say. And, and I walk into this moment and I feel like there's a gravity of how amazing our God is. And, uh, and so for me, it's like, where do I take this? But it's, um, it's just amazing to know how amazing our God is, how awesome our God is and how much he loves us. That he just, just turn up like that, just love on his children, eh? Um, so, as you guys are aware, we are talking about what at the moment? Belonging, that's right, it is on the wall, so that helps us, so no chocolate bar winners for any of you guys. We are talking about belonging, and uh, so over the last week, uh, since we've known we're going to speak tonight, me and Jim just talked a lot about belonging, and uh, what that looks like, and, and the many different aspects of what that could be, uh, but we keep coming back to the same starting point. And that starting point is Jesus Christ. Yeah? And uh, that is because Jesus Christ made me right with God. There is nothing I can do to, um, to buy my own way into heaven. I can't behave well enough. I can't... Um, do cool star jumps that God would be impressed with and say, well, that's cool. Um, <laughs> I can't even do a star jump. <laughs> so I have zero confidence in my own ability, zero confidence in my own ability to be called worthy of a son of God. I have every confidence in the one that died for me to pay for the things that I did wrong, Jesus Christ. Okay, so I belong because of Jesus Christ. That is our starting point, full stop. I want to share with you a verse out of Galatians. Um, I shared it on Facebook because it was one of those, do you ever read a verse and you go, huh, and then you read it again, and then you read it again, and then you read it again, and you think, I, it just, the more you read it, the more it blows you away. And uh, so it's Galatians verse 2, chapters 19 to 21. For when I try to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. Okay, so AKA, I stopped trying to have a relationship with God based on my own behavior. Not good enough. I can't do it. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat this grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could have made us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. So I, to me, I think it is, it is, I can't have a relationship with God based on what I can do. And if it was possible, even possible for me to have a relationship with God based on what I could do or my behavior, then there was no need for Christ to die. Christ knew that I couldn't do it by myself. So that's why Christ died, because he loved every single one of us. 
Now, I'm not saying that uh, behavior as Christians isn't important. I actually think as children of God, we are called to be different to the rest of the world. Uh, But if you try to live your life, uh, or if you try to gain your relationship or your acceptance with God based on behavior, you'll fail every time. It's impossible. Now, I do dumb stuff sometimes. No, I do. It's amazing. It's amazing how quiet this side of the auditorium is right now. (laughs) I don't have any stories. No, okay, so I do dumb stuff all the time. I feel like I've gone down a rabbit hole. No, I, uh, I do dumb stuff all the time. All the time. I... It amazes me how often I can mess up, but I don't stop being a Christian because I mess up. Uh, Because it is not me or what I do that makes me acceptable to God. It's Jesus Christ. Now, I I probably labor this point a little bit, but, but it's really important for you guys to know that belonging, our starting point is Jesus Christ. There is nothing you can do to win, to buy, to earn your acceptance to God. He died on the cross so we belong, so we could be accepted. Uh, Galatians 4, 5, God sent his son to buy freedom for all of us. Ah, hang on, sorry, I read that wrong. Good work, Tim. God sent him to buy for us who were slaves to the law. So, uh, I still read that wrong. (laughs) The, like, the notes are literally right in front of me. <laughs> we'll try that again. Third time lucky. <clears throat> God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that, we could, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Cool, eh? Okay. So our starting point as children of God is Jesus Christ. We belong because of his sacrifice. So moving on a little bit, Jesus Christ is also our starting point for belonging in a broader sense. So when we're talking about people, others, church, workmates, schools, that type of thing. Uh, If God demonstrated his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, then surely this affects the way I interact and treat others. Christ Christ died for me before I knew him before I loved him, and while I was still a sinner. So that surely gives us a clue as to how we should treat other people in terms of belonging. His relationship with us is not based on, or us belonging in terms of Jesus Christ, in terms of God, is not based on behavior. So if God loves me despite my brokenness and my behavior, then we should also love others despite their brokenness and their behavior, yeah? Okay, so acceptance and belonging in the church should be unconditional because it is not dependent on human motives, but on a God who loves us so much that he died so that we can have a relationship with him. Uh, I haven't preached a message yet, I don't think, that doesn't have this verse in it, so uh, I'm going to read it. Love the Lord, I'm going to read it correctly the first time and not the third time. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. 
love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love and treat others the way you want to be loved and treated. Okay, and so I mentioned the word motivated in there before. So uh, acceptance into church should be unconditional because it's not motivated by, uh, it's not human motives, but it's an unconditional love of God. So motives are important. And uh, I want to share a couple of stories with you now about uh, ones from my childhood and uh, ones from last week uh, about motives. And uh, one's a little bit sad. So feel free to cry. No, it's not that sad, really. Okay. So <laughs> when, I was a, uh, when I was a kid uh, and I was at school, because that's what you do when you're a kid, you go to school, I got invited to this birthday party. And... The boy who invited me, I wasn't really friends with. And so I was like, I don't know why you're inviting me to the birthday party, but hey, there'll be cake, so I'll go. So <laughs> I went to this birthday party, and there was cake, and there was pasta parcel, and there was, what else do you, oh, we sang happy birthday. We did all those things you do at a birthday party when you're a kid, which was cool. And just as we we're about to leave, the mum comes up to me, gets down to my level, looks me in the eye and says, you weren't invited to this birthday party. Did you steal your invitation? You don't belong. I know. I know. So I was so embarrassed and so scared that I just said yes which wasn't the truth because my invitation was screwed up in the bottom of my school bag with half a dozen rotten apple cores. But, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but um, so what do you reckon that does for a, a kid? Yeah, so I, I, there was no sense of belonging. I was embarrassed and I never went back to that house again. Uh, ooh. So, motives are important, and I think the, the point of that story I wanted to make was that the, the boy invited me, and I believe his motives was because he wanted another present, uh, which is a human motive. And so, the result of that was his mum found out, obviously because I was there, and there was this embarrassing, sad feeling that I had that I can still remember 30 years later. So that's a human sort of a motive, which ended in a result. Uh, so I've got another story for you from last week. Uh, we were, I think it, was, it must have been Friday. So there's this cool guy that comes to our church called Raymond. You can call him Ray. I know. And so me and James were about to go out and get lunch and... We, had, we were real busy, and there was heaps to do, and, and Ray comes down, and he goes, oh, you're looking for lunch? I'll show you what I do. So he, he drags us into the kitchen. Vision College were having their prize giving, and he gets us all his food, and it was so good. It was amazing. Thanks, Vision College, and thanks, Ray. But the, my point is that, that what do you think Ray's motivation was? Love. He was taking care of us. I, he'd already has lunch. <laughs> so, but he didn't, have to, he didn't have to do that. So he took time out of his own day to, to find us lunch, which was cool. And that's just one example of 
the unconditional lunch. Lunch. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. You know, you have expectations of yourself when you're speaking, and 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 I and I guess I just wanted to share something of God's heart, if I could, without making too much of a fool of myself. But I walked in the door. And Tyra goes, woohoo, Tim's here. I can't wait for him to make a fool of himself so I have something to laugh at. I know. Is she not even here? Oh. Well, so I'll try not to dug myself a too big a hole. <laughs> and she's still not even here to hear it. <laughs> okay, so that's why... As a church, our motives are different because of that sort of action. It's, it's love and, uh, and, and founded in Jesus Christ. And I believe that the closer, you guys have all seen that triangle model, that the closer you get to Jesus Christ, the closer you get to each other because you, you know his heart, you know his love uh, for, for others and so that's infectious. And so I just want to leave you with a couple of thoughts. Jesus Christ uh, oh, through Jesus Christ, God's accept us and all our mess unconditionally. God was absolutely selfless laying down his life so that we could live. We too should be selfless because even if I think someone is ugly or smelly or I don't like the way they behave or even if they have hurt me, God loves them unconditionally and calls us to do the same. So our example of, so with our example of Christ, our motive being love, we can see the word belonging is actually more about the other person than it is about ourselves. So I just want to leave you guys with that thought. Have you guys ever been to a... Um... <laughs> Made you stand up. <laughs> so you guys ever been to a, uh, a concert? Yeah, so, so you, I don't know, say for example, the Foo Fighters were playing a while ago and you're like, whoa, Foo Fighters, cool, yeah. Okay, and then before the Foo Fighters, there's like an opening band that no one's ever heard of. Yeah, well, I'm like the opening band. Here comes the Foo Fighters. <laughs> wow, okay. And you know how like the band you all came to see go goes on for a really, really long time? You guys comfy? No. Okay, so I want you to put your hands up if you are an extrovert. If you consider yourself an extrovert. Whoa, not many. Okay, and if you consider yourself an introvert, put your hands up. And if you don't know, put your hands up. <laughs> All right, do an online personality test and you'll find out. Okay, so it doesn't matter if we are an introvert or an extrovert. We all want to belong. We all want to feel like people love us and that we have a real sense of belonging and a place that we fit. We are designed for relationship. So a few weeks ago, Sheridan talked about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three and one. So we're created in God's image, right? Okay, hold on for a second. So every Sunday for, I don't know, five hours, I hang out in the back in the youth hall with about 100 kids on an average Sunday morning. Heaps of fun. Now, if I ask them a question, they yell back. Okay, so to make me feel at home, if I ask a question, can you guys give me the answer? Awesome. Great. Okay, so... We're designed for a relationship, right? Yes. We're made in God's image, yeah? Yes. Awesome. Cool. Okay, so Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. We're created and designed for relationship because we are created in God's image. So God shows us grace 
unmerited favor, love, and acceptance that we can't earn. So Tim talked about that a bit. Jesus showed us how to live in grace and to extend that grace to the people we're around. And the Holy Spirit is with us, helping us, prompting us to live a life that emanates grace. Sorted? Clear? Great. Okay, so I went into Ephesians to have a look at the whole topic of belonging. So if you're not sure, Ephesians is one of the books in the New Testament, and it's called an epistle. So an epistle is a letter that was written to a church, or just a letter. So Paul wrote Ephesians to the church in Ephesus. So normally he would write about topics the church was struggling with, but he wrote Ephesians to help encourage the church to um, give them ideas and encouragement and how to belong and how to come together. So the New Bible Dictionary says, the word grace has a prominent place in the opening greetings and the closing benedictions of the epistles, being added to the conventional Jewish greeting of peace. So grace and peace go hand in hand. Interesting. So that might be a bit of a clue for how we can live in belonging and in peace together, yeah? Mm, Grace. Okay, so I'm the first to admit that I need to hear this as much as anyone else here. So, (laughs) wow, quite in the cheap suits. (laughs) Thanks, hon. Some need to hear it more than others. (laughs) But we all need to hear this, okay? So I'm not just here saying, hey, you guys need to do this. I'm here saying, I need to do this. I need to learn how to do this better. So I want us to go into Luke, so get your Bibles or your phones out with your Bible app, not Snapchat. The Bible app doesn't look like the yellow icon with the ghost on it, okay? It doesn't also look like a blue icon with an F on it, and it doesn't look like Instagram either. Or trade me. (laughs) Okay, so Luke chapter 15, verses 11, we're going to start at verse 11. So this is the story of the prodigal son. So the first point, I'm going to get straight into it. The first point I want to make is this. We are always in relationship. So I want you to say that back to me. We, yes, awesome. So the prodigal son, I'll open up my bubble app too, eh? And we can read this together. So Luke 15, 11 to 12. You guys got it? Okay, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. So the prodigal son started in relationship with the father. Okay, so he was in that relationship. It all started with relationship. So... I don't think he saw himself as a son. I think he saw his father because we know that he wanted the money and to go away and do his own thing. I think he saw his father as someone who was overbearing, who was controlling, who told him what to do, took away his freedom, and he wanted to go off and do his own thing. So I don't think he saw himself as a son. I think he just saw his father as someone telling him what to do. So I think he saw it as... um, a lack of freedom, and probably a bit of pride. I can do better on my own. So even when he took off and did his own thing, did it change the fact that he had a father and he was a son? No. So he was still in relationship. So it doesn't matter what we do, whether we accept God's grace or not, we're still in relationship. 
it's up to us to accept it. So we are chosen by him, and I think Tim mentioned that before too, and Ephesians 4.1 says we've been called by God, so it's up to us to respond. And it doesn't matter where we go, I hate to tell you guys this, but you're always going to be around people. Now some of us who are introverts don't like that, they, you know, we just like to be on our own, but we're always going to be around people and have people that we have to relate to. Even in Antarctica. Okay, so that is my first point, which was, what was my first point? Yeah, Sarah's listening. See me for a chocolate bar later. All right, point two. Grace requires us to, and I want you to repeat this bit, focus on relationship over behavior. Awesome. Okay. So we are going to go to Luke 15 and verse 13, and I'm going to read this out. I'm going to read it real fast, okay? A few days later, this youngest son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Way to go. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. So the pigs were being fed and he wasn't. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, "Mm, At home even the hired servants have food enough to spare and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Imagine that party. You imagine someone you thought had died and they came back again. Like, that'd be a pretty cool party. So this younger son was a bit of an egg. He went, I'm going to take all the money. I'm going to go do my own thing. I know better off. Now, did it pay off for him? Nope. And it's really hard, eh? Because you think about the dad, you think you've given everything for your kid, provided everything you need, they need, and they go, meh, I know better than you, I'm going to take the money that you owe me, and I'm going to go. But people are always going to talk about us behind our backs, treat us unfairly. Um, you know, life's not always fair. But instead of seeing his son come crawling back to him and giving him a lecture and saying, "Uh, I told you so, he ran up to him, welcomed him back, and threw a party. So that relationship was restored. So he focused, his focus was not on how his son had behaved, what he'd done to him. His focus was on that relationship that was restored. Now, I need to be really clear that I don't think we should just accept necessarily people treating us as doormats or doing stuff to us and um, 
walking all over us. I think the Bible is pretty clear that when someone sins against us, that we can go to them and say, hey, do you know that you did X, Y, Z? But, so if they've hurt us and they've sinned against us, but the motive, what does the motive need to be if we want to restore that relationship with people? Love, exactly. So the motive for that is love. It's about restoring relationship and people feeling that belonging and love. If our motive is just to prove that we're better or that they've done something wrong, then we're no better. So I was in play center when the kids were younger and I was friends with all the mums there. And one day I noticed that one of them had defriended me on Facebook. (gasps) I know, right? Not a big deal, but given that I saw these people like three or four days a week and we talked to each other and I thought we were all mates, I was like, hmm, that's a bit weird. Maybe she's done it by accident. I don't know. So I went to her and I asked her and she said, actually, you haven't hurt me. You've hurt my friends. And I was like, eh, what have I done? And so she listed off these people and things that I'd done to hurt them. But in an effort to restore my relationship with her, I needed to talk to her. I needed to find out if I had done something to hurt her or upset her. And likewise, I went to the people that she listed off and I went and talked to them and apologised for whatever I may have done. Um, Because those relationships, those friendships were important to me. So none of us are perfect We all stuff up, we all make mistakes, but sometimes we make mistakes we're not even aware of as well. So it's really important that, you know, if, yeah, just to keep that relationship, that focus on the relationship, not behavior. So the message it says in Galatians 6, live creatively, friends. If someone falls falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. Save your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you are badly deceived. So, point number one was, we're always in relationship. Point number two was, focus on relationship over behavior. Awesome. And point number three is, Grace requires us to be others-focused. Awesome. (laughs) All right, so we are going to carry on with the prodigal son in Luke 15, verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he told he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back, not my brother, not when my brother comes back, when this son of yours comes back, After squandering your money on wild living, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. My kids are here, okay? (laughs) His father said to him, I don't want to explain it, all right? (laughs) 
Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the brother, was he focused on himself, the older brother? Was he focused on himself or was he focused on his younger brother? He was focused on how the situation affected himself. So a few weeks ago in Activate Kids, we talked about being others-focused. So focusing on ourselves and how we, what we can get and how we can use people to make us feel better, we end up putting expectations on other people that they can't meet. So we've got a Young Adults Activate group that meets every Monday. And one wise young lady said, people are always going to let us down. And it's so true. But what she said is, it's not necessarily that they let us down. Sometimes it's because our expectations of others are so high that they're never, ever going to be able to meet them. Like, they don't have a choice but to let us down because they can't meet our expectations. So this big brother was focused on himself and the injustice in his mind of the situation. He became bitter and jealous because his expectations were just that. They were his expectations. They weren't the way his dad was going to react. His brother, the prodigal son, who they thought was dead, was not dead and came back home. But rather than being like, woohoo, my brother's alive, he was like, oh, that's not fair. He took the money, ran, had a good time, came back, and they having a party for him? So he wasn't focused on his brother, he was focused on himself. If he'd shifted his focus to his brother and how great it was that he was back, he would have saved himself a whole lot of hurt and stress. He was angry, hurt, upset, and some would say justifiably so. Um, but because of his focus on himself, he missed out on a party. So what do we miss out on when we keep our focus on ourselves? So Ephesians 4, 2 to 3, gives us some practical ways to keep our focus on others and showing them grace. So always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Is that love word again? Make every effort, effort to keep ourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, grace and peace. And Ephesians 4, 31, 32 says, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. So I can see why the letters that Paul wrote started and ended with grace and peace. When we accept grace, practice showing grace, and our focus is on relationship, peace is going to go hand in hand with that. So first and foremost, we need to remember to live in the knowledge that we are God's kids. That relationship with him is so important that he gave his son for us to show us what true grace looks and feels like. We're always in relationship with him. Secondly, we need to focus on relationship, not behavior. Jesus showed us how to do this. Whenever, wherever, be like Jesus. And thirdly, living a life that emanates grace is not easy. Does anyone here think it's easy to be gracious all the time? No, I don't see any hands. No, mine's not up either. (laughs) 
But to be others focused, to show grace even when it hurts, we're not doing it on our own. We have Holy Spirit to help us. And the benefits far outweigh the cost. The peace that comes from relationships flooded with grace will far outweigh relationships marred by hurts and offenses. So imagine a world where grace through God was priority. That is up to us.